Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Time to get your fix. We know there's a project on your to-do list. Help yourself by picking up the phone first and calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Look around your house. We know we are in the crazy, crazy weeks of the holidays now. And so tackling a major home improvement project might not be on your to-do list. A minor one, however, very well maybe, and that's a good topic to call us about today at 888-MONEY-PIT. Perhaps you're expecting to do well with the gifts this year and you need some more room, or perhaps you are just sort of tired of looking around at the same four walls and you want to spruce those up. All great reasons to pick up the phone and call us with your home improvement question. The advice worth more than the phone number because that's free, 888-666-3974. We've got a great show planned for you this hour. First up, with all the snowfall you know that we've had in the last few years, you might be thinking about heading Mother Nature off this year by investing in a snow blower. But with so many options, the question is, which one is right for you? We're going to help you sort out those options in just a bit. And also ahead, we're going to have tips on how you can cut your own holiday tree and keep it fresh throughout the season, including how to prevent losing the needles that of course, they're going to shed and end up all over the house, and then you'll be finding them in July, like I always do. <laughs> Plus, the latest cost versus value remodeling report is out. This is a very important document. It's a report that's gone out for over 20 years, and it shows us what home improvement projects pay off the best. It's compiled annually by Remodeling Magazine. So we've invited editor Sal Alfano to stop by and tell us which projects actually give you the best return on your remodeling investment. And one project that always pays off is replacing your inefficient incandescent light bulbs with LED bulbs. So we are going to help one listener get started this hour by giving away a collection of LED bulbs from Philips. And not only are these bulbs going to help you save money, but they're going to last 20 years. So that's pretty awesome. So pick up the phone and give us a call right now with your question. The number is 888-MONEY-PIT. Eldon in Iowa has a roofing question. What can we do for you today? Uh, yes, I have uh, organic shingles that's on the house uh, right now. And apparently they, they're they uh, not supposed to be put on in Iowa, I guess. So they're starting to break down and they're rabbit earing and they're spacing real wide and that type of thing. I wanted to know, do I can I go over the top of an organic shingle with something else, or do I have to do a complete tear-off? Well, how old is your roof right now, Eldon? It's actually only 10 years old. Okay. And is the house 10 years old, or is there more roofs underneath that? The house is 100 years old. Okay. Hmm. What's underneath the shingles layer you have now? Nothing. It's a single layer. Okay. Yeah. And uh, let me ask you, how long do you think you're going to stay in this house? Will you be in it for more than the next uh, 15 or 20 years? Yes. All right. Then what I would recommend you do, 
and it has nothing to do with whether the shingles are organic or not. But I recommend that you remove that old layer, and here's why. When you put multiple layers of roofing shingles on a home, the initial layer adds uh, a heat sink to that sandwich, so to speak, and that can uh, more rapidly deteriorate the new layer of shingles because you're basically holding more heat against them. You know, asphalt shingles are oil-based, and when you evaporate a lot of those uh, oils that are in the shingles, they can, you know, have a shorter life. So I would recommend that you remove the first layer so that you get the full life of the new layer of shingles. Well, thank you very much. You answered my question. You're welcome, Eldon. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. And, of course, on the flip side, if Eldon had uh, responded he was going to be in that house for the next five years, well, then it wouldn't really matter if the new roof lasted 10 years or 20 years because he's not going to be there to enjoy it. <laughs> you should still do the nice thing for the person yeah, who's buying your well, house. Well, yeah, but, I mean, it's an economic question. True. Uh, and, and, if, and if you're going to be there for the life of it, then you can get the complete return on investment for removing that first layer. Although I will tell you, when we looked into what our town required permit-wise when we were thinking about replacing our roof, yeah. um, they said that if we left the existing shingles on and went right over, we didn't need anything. But if we took it off and started you know, from the foundation of the roof itself, the substructure, then we needed all sorts of permits, which that's, I think is so that's weird. really intelligent. Yeah. I think that's right. So it's like you, you get Building penalized for doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Do the right thing and punish them for it. Gene in Oregon is having a cleaning issue. Tell us what you're working on. Well, I'm trying to figure out how to keep uh, my uh, Whirlpool uh, black appliances from streaking. Yeah, that is like the most common complaint. We ourselves have a GE profile oven, which has a black cooktop, and that is the hardest thing to keep clean. Dust shows up right away on it. No matter what I use, I always get streaks. So I kind of did a little bit of experimenting. And if you sort of ditch your paper towels and go with microfiber cloths, that kind of helps to reduce any kind of scratching you might get from a paper towel. Either way, paper towels or a nice cloth, you're going to be all right. But the cloth does help. Then when you're cleaning, you really can't use any sort of cleanser that has a harsh chemical because that damages the surface. So if you end up with like a big greasy mess, dish soap and water will just do a great job to help you get rid of that grease. If that doesn't work, you can make a paste of baking soda and water that'll help break up whatever food buildup has sort of dried on there or, you know, residue or oil from cooking. And baking soda is super safe, so that's not going to scratch. Now, once you get whatever food or stain is off of there and you want to really just clean cleanse it, truly a mixture of white vinegar and water, or if you get Windex with vinegar, that's really going to be the best thing to get rid of any of that streaking. It's going to dry nicely. You're going to end up with a nice, clean surface. Now, if you find you end up with the streaks after you clean with just water, it could be that the water you have may be full of chemicals or like a, maybe full of actually minerals or something that can leave that white streaky mark. So again, anything with vinegar in it is really going to be helpful. If you do want to use some type of water just to aid in the cleansing and you find it is your tap water, you can get distilled water by the bottom at the supermarket. I mean, those are good tricks that we've used because it's certainly, it's annoying more than anything. Well, uh, when the sun shines in, uh, it can be embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) You really feel like you're not doing a good job even though you've just cleaned it. So the vinegar really does make a huge difference. All right, and thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Give us a call this holiday season at 888-MONEY-PIT. We'd love to help you with all of your home improvement projects. 888-666-3974. Up next, have you ever taken on your snowblower only to realize that it no longer does the job? What? You don't have one? Well, either way, (laughs) we're going to tell you how to choose a new snowblower for your house and one that actually works and does the job and can truly stand up to the kind of winters that we've been having lately. That's all coming up after this. Hey, this is Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs, and I've just been told that Tom and Leslie might have a dirtier job than me. I find that hard to believe, but then I heard they worked in a pit. That's a money pit, but still filthy. Where home solutions live. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And why don't you be part of the Money Pit Fun? Pick up the phone and give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT because we really have a great prize up for grabs. Um, you know, the standards for lighting and light bulbs are changing greatly in the year 2012. And we want to give you a head start. We've got LED bulbs up for grabs and we're giving away pretty much a whole set that is going to work across your whole house. We've got the Philips A19, which is a 12 and a half watt ambient LED bulb. It makes an excellent replacement bulb for, say, like a 60 watt light bulb that maybe you're using in a table lamp. And it's going to give you a soft white light when lit, just like what you're used to with an incandescent bulb. We want to help you make smarter choices that will still be stylish, but energy efficient. And it saves you about 130 bucks in energy costs over a regular bulb. And it's going to last more than 20 years. So one caller that we talked to on the air this hour is going to win a set of these Philips A19 LEDs. So give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Well, after last winter's record snowfalls, you might be ready finally to buy a snowblower. But before you do, you need to know that there are different types of blowers so that you can buy the right one for your home. That's right. You know, first, there's the electric snowblower, and that's a really great option if you've got smaller areas where a gas-powered machine is just going to be too gigantic. Now, these machines, they're maintenance-free, and all you really need is a flexible outdoor extension cord and an outlet, and you're good to go. Now, for big areas, you might want to step up to gas-powered snowblowers, but you need to know that there are two types, single-stage and dual-stage or two-stage. Now, a single-stage blower throws the snow once. That means a gas engine spins an auger, scoops up the snow, and throws it out the chute. You can't use these blowers on gravel unless you want to pelt your neighbors with rocks. (laughs) Their limiting factor is that Happy holidays. Yeah, exactly. Now, their limiting factor is that they cannot handle very large snowfalls. If you do get regular snowfalls that are, say, more than 12 inches of snow at once, then you want to go with a two-stage snowblower. These machines throw the snow twice and really do a great job. A metal auger picks it up, and a high-speed chute impeller throws it out to a discharge chute. For more tips, go to moneypit.com. Jim in Missouri is dealing with a ridge vent that lets the snow in and the air out at the same time. What can we do for you, Jim? This sounds like a mess. Yes. <laughs> when wind blows real hard uh, and if you got a real fine snow, you get a lot of snow in on top of your insulation. And here last summer I had we had a well you heard about Joplin, they had tornadoes and well we had some severe wind here and it blew quite a bit of water through them and got my uh come through the 
drywall ceilings and made stains and all that good stuff. All right. Well, there is a type of ridge vent that's designed specifically to prevent this from happening, and it's made by the Air Vent Company. Their website is AirVent, just airvent.com. And if you find, if you navigate your way over to the ridge vent section, okay. uh, click on the type of vents called filter vents. Filter vents have an internal weather baffle or weather material. It's, it's sort of like a mesh, almost looks like a fiberglass kind of mesh. And the idea is here that it lets the air ventilation occur, but it stops the weather from getting in. Right. That's what I need. I need something like that. Right. So just go over to airvent.com and look up filter vent. Well, I appreciate it, and I'm glad for the advice. All right. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Song in Alaska's on the line with some freezing pipes. Imagine that. It's pretty cold in Alaska. <laughs> Tell us what's going on. We had a frozen pipes a couple weekends ago because of a severe temperature okay. drop, and uh, we had a gas fireplace because we use it excessively, so the boiler was not a call for heat, and there was no circulation through the pipes. At least that's the uh, plumber's explanation. He recommended a zone exerciser. So my question is, is the zone exerciser a good idea? Is it a cost-effective, uh, energy-efficient? If not, what uh, are the alternatives? So you have a boiler that means you have hot water heat, and what you're saying is that the boiler did not come on? Uh, yes, because uh, the house was uh, heated by the gas fireplace, so the... Uh, oh, I know what you're saying. In other words, the, get, it, it, the gas fireplace tricked the thermostat into thinking there was more heat on in the house than there really was. Right. So the the solution there is is really to correct the position of the thermostat so it's not impacted by the gas fireplace. Because you have to be very careful where you position a, a, a thermostat. If it can see, quote unquote, in other words, if it's sort of like within visual distance, typically of a of a flame, that radiant heat reaches across the room and fakes the thermostat into thinking that it's really hot in there, and therefore doesn't have to bring on the boiler. And right. so it might be easier to move the thermostat than it is to do anything to the boiler, and just because that's the way it should have been done to begin with. Oh, okay, just move uh, thermostat to the coldest spot of the house. Well, not the coldest spot, but just to a spot where it can't see, so to speak, the the fireplace that's on all the time. Oh, okay. So in other words, if it's if the fireplace and the thermostat are on opposite sides of the room, then the radiant heat gets to the thermostat and it won't let the boiler come on because the thermostat is only going to come on when it senses uh, coldness and it's just not cold enough because the thermostat is feeling the heat from the fireplace. So you want to keep your fireplaces and your thermostats completely separate. So sometimes people will put them on, op, on, on like the, the backside of the wall so it's not actually facing the fireplace. It's that kind of an improvement that you want to make a song. You don't want to, you know, relocate it in a major way. Just re- relocate it so it's not uh, in visual contact with the fireplace. Does that make sense? Um, yes, it is. It is. Um, okay, I see. So the thermostat to the place that will actually sense the cold temperature because I'm thinking... If my whole house is heated with gas fireplace, so there is not a corner that the thermostat will say the temperature is low, calling for heat. That's right. It's not going to call for heat. Now, I think what your plumber is suggesting is that you just 
turn the heat on in some other cycle that's not controlled by the thermostat. That's when he talks about an exerciser, he just means that every so many minutes the boiler kicks on and runs heat through the pipes. Right. It seems like a pretty inefficient way to do it if we could just balance out where that thermostat is. Sounds good. I probably just put the, the corners, coldest place of the house will be cold enough to call for heat. All right. Well, good luck, Song. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Okay. Thank you so much. Forest in Michigan is working on a front door project. Tell us what it is. Well, we're trying to replace our exterior rear door, and uh, we live in a modular home, and all the exterior doors seem to be six inches shorter than normal height. Huh. So we're trying to figure out a way we can replace it without having a special order and cost hundreds of extra dollars to do yeah. that. What's the height of the door you're looking for? Uh, six feet, two inches. Wow, that is unusual. That's weird. Yeah. Yes. Have you contacted the company? Have you contacted the company who produced the modular home or the components therein? Yes, and they want like five hundred and fifty-nine dollars for a new door. Wow. Well, that's why they're six feet two inches. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, if we make a hey, weird size, can you size, modify the opening uh, of the of the exterior wall to take a standard height door? Yes, I do. I, I mean, that's what I would do. I wouldn't yeah, that's what I was looking at doing was just trying to raise it up, you know, raise the header up. Now, this way all your tall friends can come and visit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would help. <laughs> yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't spend money on a custom door that's, that's non-standard height. I would simply modify the exterior wall to take a standard 80-inch door. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the most cost-effective solution, plus you'll yep. have the most options. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I guess that's what I wanted to hear. That's what I was right. thinking I'm doing, and just want to make sure I was doing the right thing. Rebecca in South Carolina, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? Uh, yes, I would like to know. Um, I live in an apartment, and uh, when someone above me walks across the floor, it, the floor squeaks. So I want to know how you, um, what's the best thing to do to fix that. Do you get along with your neighbor? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, is it a carpeted floor above you, or is it a hardwood floor? It's a um, carpet floor. Okay. Um, tile, carpet, and, and every time they walk across it, it squeaks, and it's really aggravating. All right. Well, <laughs> the the tile is hard to deal with. The carpet, not so much. Now, there's two ways to fix a, a squeaky floor through a carpet. The first thing you need to do is identify where the floor joist is underneath the carpet. You can do that with a stud finder. That will actually identify where the beam is, and then you drive a nail. You want to use a, you can do this with a finish nail. You want to get a, a big finish nail like a number 10 or number 12. You can actually drive it through the carpet at a slight angle right over the floor joist and then set it so it sort of pops through the bottom of the carpet. When you first drive it, it'll look like there's a dimple in the carpet. You sort of grab the carpet nap and pull it up through the head of the nail and it'll be invisible. But if you do that in two or three places around the squeak, that will tighten up the floor in that area. Because mm -hmm, what's happening is the subfloor underneath the carpeting is rubbing against the floor joists because there's movement. So if you could secure them together, you're going to silence that squeak. I mean, it's got to annoy them. Do they complain about it or have you not mentioned it? Oh, yes, I have. They've heard it. and They know it's like that, too. Yeah. Uh, the, the owner of the building just um, I don't want to do it. So I'm trying to figure out what can I do. Well, this shouldn't void anybody's lease. This is an easy fix that you guys can do yourself without even letting the landlord know. Okay, great. Thank you. You're welcome, Rebecca. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, do you know which home improvement projects raise the value of your home the most? We'll tell you the most valuable improvements you can make next. 888 Money Pit. 
is brought to you by Skill. And now you can easily cut through the most difficult projects with ease with the Power Cutter from Skill. With powerful lithium-ion technology and an auto-sharp blade system, Skill's lightweight power cutter will soon become your favorite tool, too. The Skill Power Cutter. It cuts just about anything. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where home solutions live. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, in a tight economy, you really think about how you are spending every single dollar that goes out of your pocket. And sometimes whether spending that money is going to actually pay off. Well, it's especially true when it comes to fixing up your house. Will you ever recoup any of that investment that you've laid out on your new kitchen or, say, your bathroom? Well, it depends on where you live. That's for sure. Now, you can get a pretty good idea of your return on investments on dozens of projects with the annual cost versus value report that's put together by the team at Remodeling Magazine. Here with the details from this year's report is Sal Alfano. He is the editorial director. Welcome, Sal. Hey, hi. Good to be here. Now, the trend for the last couple of years is that replacement projects seem to fare very well. And this year looks especially good for uh, projects like new siding, windows and doors. Why do you think that's the case? Well, one big reason, uh, especially with, uh, you know, in the wake of the recession, is is simply price. These are, are projects that don't require a big investment. Um, an entry door replacement is, you know, twelve to $1,500. Um, even a whole house window replacement or siding, a typical siding job is under 20000 And mm-hmm. those are the kinds of projects that, that people can more readily afford or find a little easier to finance. But, you know, they also... They provide instant curb appeal. So if you are concerned about about selling or about um, house value, you get a pretty good bang for your buck with a with a project that um, gives you such an instant uh, makeover. Mm-hmm. Now, what if you're considering taking on a remodeling project at your home? What should you think about when you're prioritizing if return on investment is one of your main driving points? Kitchen and bath projects are, are historically... Um, really popular. And of course, mm-hmm. I think every buyer is just fascinated by those rooms, and, and that's something they, they want to look at. But it can be dangerous to redo um, redo the, the entire room with a, you know, with a really expensive project. One of the projects that we look at is what we call a minor kitchen remodel, which is really kind of a replacement of door and drawer fronts, uh, new hardware, new appliances, new countertops and backsplashes, and um, you know, new new sink and faucets. And what what it does is it gives you a facelift and really makes the place look brand new without moving any of the systems or rewiring the room or moving walls around doing anything structural. So it's it's not a bad investment if you've got a kitchen that's showing its age. And, and there's a lot of houses out there that are exactly that spot. We're talking to Sal Alfano. He's the editorial director of Remodeling Magazine about their new cost versus value report. Sal, one of the great untapped spaces in uh, all of our homes or in many homes, as you say, across the country is the basement more and more folks turning to that space now because it's uh it's available it's underfoot and uh you know finishing it doesn't seem to cost nearly as much as an addition would well it's actually yeah it's actually moved up in the rankings in in recent years and that's even though it's a you know it's a it's a pretty decent investment you you know you'll you'll spend somewhere between 50 and 60,000 dollars to to redo it depending on what you do there but we we uh, specify a, um not just redoing um a fairly large space in the ba- in the uh, basement but adding a, a ba- another bath uh, and of course you've got to meet code for egress but um you gain a lot of space for the money that you spend without uh, as you say without having to go through the the hassle of uh permitting um 
an addition and breaking ground and excavation and drainage and, and all the mess that goes along with that. Um, you know, another project that, that is way up on the ranks this year is an attic bedroom, and I think it's the same for the same reason. This takes the attic and, and adds a dormer, um, puts a bedroom underneath and adds a, a bathroom, and I think it's the same situation. It's th those two projects are the, the least expensive way to add space to the house within the existing footprint. You know, one of the things that Leslie and I were talking about uh, before the show today was the actual numbers, the cost recouped, um, seeming to max out in, in the 70 percentile range. I seem to recall that being a lot higher years ago. Have those numbers <laughs> gone down? I feel like drastically <laughs> so. Yeah, you bet they have. Uh, in if you if you consider all the projects as one one giant project, uh, just theoretically, we we create a single number every year, and in ni in two thousand five that was eighty six point seven percent. This year it's fifty seven point seven percent. Wow! So it's really dropped, and it's it's largely a function, of course, of the of the housing market, the the, uh, the sale price for housing. I mean, construction costs continue to go up a little bit after two thousand five while house prices came down. So the biggest drops we saw were in the first few years, 2006 and 2007. But even even today, when construction costs are down considerably from a few years ago, housing prices are still volatile and unstable, and we're not quite sure they've reached the bottom yet. And, and so the, you know, the ratio has stayed pretty low. The good news is it's dropping at a slower rate, so maybe we're at the bottom. Sal Alfano, Editorial Director for Remodeling Magazine. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. And congratulations. And I want to mention that this is the 25th annual Cost Versus Value Report, and it is so instrumental. It's such a valuable tool for those that are considering improving their homes. It's online at costversusvalue.com. That's costvsvalue.com. Uh, Take a look at that. And I think that if you, t if you look at that before you decide what the next project is that you're going to tackle for your house, you will be very happy that you did. Sal Alfano, thanks again for being a part of our program. You're welcome. Always fun to talk with you. Well, it's one of the most beloved traditions of Christmas, but do you know how to select a Christmas tree? And then once you've gotten the one that you really, really love, how do you keep it fresh once you put it inside your house? Well, we're going to tell you all the ins and outs after this. Live in a body pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by ODL's Add-on Blinds. Enclosed behind tempered glass, they eliminate the need for dusting and exposed cords, both problems with traditional blinds. Plus, they easily install over your existing entry glass. Visit www.odl.com to learn more. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Call us right now at 888-MONEY-PIT. If you do, you might just win the Philips A19, which is a 12.5-watt ambient light bulb that delivers, oh, about 60 watts of light. This thing saves major energy. It uses like 85% less energy than an incandescent bulb, and it's fully dimmable, which makes it perfect for pendant and ceiling fixtures. It's available at the Home Depot, but we're going to give away a set to one caller today's program at 888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974.
All right, pick up the phone and give us a call. We'd love to give you a hand with what you are working on. And if your weekend's project maybe is heading out to get your holiday tree, we've got some tips here on how you can find the right tree and how you can keep it fresh. First of all, you really need to start with plotting where your tree will go in your house. And once you figure out the perfect spot, you want to measure both the vertical and the horizontal dimensions of the space because I always get a tree that's way too fat for my room, but I really like that. And that's it looks so fun. much smaller on the lot, right? I know it does. And then you get it and you're like, whoa. So take measurements and bring them with you. And once you do get the tree home, you want to make sure that you keep it away from heat sources and make sure that it doesn't block lock any doors or sort of, you know, divert traffic patterns or get in the way of movement. Really think about all this stuff. Next, you obviously want to choose a tree that's fresh. Quick test for that. Bend the needles. If they break crisply, kind of like when you say break a carrot in half, then you've got a fresh tree on your hands. All right, now here's the trick. How do you keep that freshness, whether it's in a tree that you cut down yourself or you pick up from the lot? There's one word that you have to know. Water. Water. Seriously, those trees are thirsty. And really, (laughs) all they want is plain water. Don't believe any of the advice out there about adding aspirin, sugar, bleach, fertilizer. I'll tell you a story about my mom. Bought a great tree on the streets of Manhattan. Beautiful. Thought she read somewhere, add some bleach. So she did. Wakes up the next morning. The tree has shed every needle and is standing there like a naked Charlie Brown tree. My mom's like, I can't imagine what I did. Do you know what your mom did? She she mixed up her holidays because if you spray a diluted bleach solution inside a pumpkin after you carve it, it doesn't grow mold and rot quite as quickly. Hi, where were you two months ago with that tip? <laughs> Jeez. But I think All that's right. what she did. She mixed them up. Well, she must have. So no But with bleach. a tree, it'll definitely kill it. Oh, good Lord. Did it ever. No bleach, no fertilizer, nothing. Just water. Because whatever you put in there is really just going to dry out that tree much faster. Now, you have to make sure that you check that water level daily. And if you do so, you're going to enjoy that lush tree throughout the holiday season. And if you want some more tips on how to find, trim, get rid of your tree in, in an environmentally friendly way, head on over to our website, Money pit.com and search how to choose a christmas tree 888-666-3974 give us a call right now to talk about your next home improvement project joyce in florida needs some help with a granite countertop tell us what's going on i'm just wondering about my granite countertop i have a little chip in it it's only Hmm. a year and a half old how'd that happen i have no idea i swear to god i live alone and (laughs) i can't blame it on anybody else but it's it's right by you know right in front of the sink i have one there as well do you want to know what it's from and also what is your edge do you have the og edge oh i don't know is it like super decorative like kind of curvy or is it more blunt it's blunt yeah the the side by the sink is blunt the outside is the curvy part yeah so it's the inside of the sink not the outside well okay i'm sorry i'm thinking about like the bar part Uh, anyway um no it's the inside of the sink but it's 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 just curvy oh i'm sorry because my issue is from at the sink the counter height happens to be at the same exact height as the button on my jeans and when i'm washing my dishes and i'm leaning at the counter 
I had a little area that was more filler than actually granite at that edge because, you know, they do that resin coating on it. And if there's pox or chips, it sort of fills in. So I kept leaning and leaning and leaning and working. And over the years, it just sort of popped out this little filler. And it was always from where the button on my pants was sort of hitting the counter. Well, see, mine is is actually, it's on the inside of the sink. You must be a very... Crazy dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a solution. There, there are a wide variety of acrylic or epoxy repair kits that are available where, in effect, you can mix up the uh, repair material and then also mix in a dye that is very close to the pattern that you have and then very carefully touch Fill that it up. In. Build it yeah, up. I just and, don't want it to get any bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I no, think that that's probably a reasonably that. easy thing for you to do, and it should stop it from getting any bigger. I assume this is just something you can buy. Well, at Home Center, or you can search search for granite repair kits online. There's uh, you know dozens of websites that sells the that sell these kits. They're pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're like in, in the twenty five to fifty dollar range. Yep. One is called Bonstone. B O N S T O N E. Mm-hmm. Bonstone dot com. But there are lots of them out there. Uh, that are available, and you know, again, all you gotta do is mix it up and follow the directions, and I think you'll be good to go. Well, I will fix it, and thank you. I really appreciate that. I wasn't sure if there's anything you could do to fix it. I didn't want to just, you know, leave it alone. So, okay, well, you're I'll not the first that. to have a crack, but uh, and you're not <laughs> you the last. Won't be the last, and fortunately, <laughs> there's a whole market out there waiting to serve you. Alrighty. <laughs> Thank you so much. Appreciate you are, it. <laughs> you are very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Here's a question for you. Can you add blown insulation yourself or is it better to hire someone to do it for you? We're gonna tell you after this. You live in a money pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Bostitch. Professional quality hand tools, pneumatic and cordless nailers and staplers. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And are you following us on Twitter? You should. You can get home improvement tips sent directly to your computer or mobile device. And you can also learn about special features coming up on the show. Just follow at Money Pit on Twitter and you will be in tune with everything that's going on here at Team Money Pit. Now, if you're online and you've got a question, don't feel like picking up the phone. Go to the community section of moneypit.com and post your question. I've got one here from Todd in Kentucky who wrote, I have a brick home. I was wondering if it is fairly easy to add blown insulation in the walls myself or would it be better to hire someone? Interesting question. Now, more and more insulation manufacturers are making their equipment available for rent. That said, I don't recommend that you do it yourself. I think if the contractor wants to rent the, the equipment because perhaps he doesn't want to buy it, it can be pretty expensive, and he has the skill set to use that properly, that's probably the customer for the rental blown-in equipment. For homeowners, though, 
it's your first project, wouldn't do it because it's really tricky. You need to make sure that that insulation is getting distributed to all of the spaces. Contractors have the tools to not only do that, but also to scan the walls with infrared devices after the fact to look for the cold spots that they may have missed and perhaps have to drill in again and add a bit more insulation. So don't think that it's a a do-it-yourself project. What is a do-it-yourself project, though, is adding bat insulation And before you spend a lot of money on the wall insulation, I would make sure, Todd, that you've got at least 20 to 22 inches of fiberglass bat insulation in the attic because that's where most of your heat loss is going to occur. A far greater amount of heat escapes from the attic than does escape through the walls. Next up, we've got a post here from Sam in Iowa who says, my wife and I recently bought a two-bedroom, one-bath ranch house. We're planning on being here for 10 to 15 years. Uh, It's got a 40-gallon, 18-year-old water heater, thinking about replacing it, but didn't know if a tankless heater made sense for just the two of us. Yes, I think it would, Sam. Uh, And here's why. First of all, your existing water heater is at the end of a normal life cycle, and replacing it is going to cost you a substantial amount of money. I would spend that amount of money, add a little bit to it, and get a tankless water heater that's going to add some value to your home and assure that regardless of how long you or your wife spend in that shower, you will never, ever run out of hot water. Well, with all the cooking, the baking, the guests that have been hanging out at your house, you may find that you've got a bit of extra food after they all go home. What do you do with that? Leslie's got some tips on how to handle those leftovers in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. That's right. This time of year really puts a great strain on your refrigerator. Leftovers, tons of drinks, lots of tasty goodies. It really means that your fridge is working double time. So this is a good time of year to make sure that it's up to the task. First of all, you want to clean the coils on your refrigerator. And most people don't even realize that the coils in the back need to be vacuumed out regularly to keep your fridge running well. So do it. Put it on your calendar. Make it a chore. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be heavy lifting, but you got to do it. Now, if you've got an older fridge that's got a drain pan underneath, make sure that you take it out and clean it so that you're really avoiding any mold growth that will occur. If you've got a water and ice dispenser, that pan should also be cleaned to avoid mold growth. And many dispensers also have a filter that needs to be changed. So this might be the perfect time of year to do just that. If you want some more tips, go to moneypit.com and search fridge maintenance tips because this is the time of year we do not want our fridge to stop running. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show coming up next week on the program. If last year was any indication, we are probably in for another hard winter of heavy snowstorms. And when that heavy snow hits your roof and stays there for a while, well, it can cause some serious damage. So we're going to show you how to make sure that doesn't happen to you on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a Money Pit. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 